Today, we're talking about high-stakes conversations, the ones with the most risk if things break down, and the ones involving your most important relationships on and off the job. Who better to learn from than a former FBI hostage and crisis negotiator? Oh, and who before that was a minister? I'm Jim Carr. Let's talk to James Chip Massey on the Manage Your Message podcast. Welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow. By talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in. Thanks for joining us. At the outside of these podcast episodes, I often like to let you in on why I ask a particular guest to speak with us. I met Chip Massey a little less than a year ago during a two-day mastermind group led by Dory Clark. We sat next to each other both days, and it was very, very interesting. Later, when I would be back home and I would share stories with my friends about the experience, and I mentioned about meeting a real live FBI hostage negotiator, my friend's eyes would light up. They wanted to know, hey, what type of person is he like in real life? And then when I mentioned that he had also been a minister, people were just fascinated. So naturally, Chip Massey, you were a must-book guest on the Manager Message podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you, Jim. It is it is a pleasure to be here, and thank you for the invitation. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Let's mention some of the highlights of your career and then get into some areas where I think you can really shed some light on conversations for us. Chip served as an FBI special agent and a hostage crisis negotiator for more than 20 years. What that involved included collaborating with the CIA to crack espionage rings, conducting counterterrorism investigations, and working extensively in crisis situations like international kidnappings, and fugitive apprehensions. Before joining the FBI, he served as a Methodist minister, so he has deep experience in counseling and crisis intervention. These days, Chip is the CEO of Plowshare Communications, where he advises business leaders on strategic negotiations, building trust and relationships, and accelerating their sales processes. Clearly, some areas where you have deep expertise in some very charged situations, Chip. And I think there's a great deal of mystery surrounding the roles you have had, to some degree as a minister, but especially in your role with the FBI. I mean, this is the stuff of movies and TV shows. Most of us have never been a minister or a crisis negotiator for a living, much less both. So we don't have much idea of what someone in that role actually does in action or how you prepared for it and the lessons that you learn. So I recommend we start by having you talk us through some extreme high stakes conversation where actual lives are at stake, the types that you have been involved in firsthand, and then we can deconstruct that a bit. So say there was a kidnapping, a hostage situation, and you were called in during your time with the FBI to lead that negotiation. So that's the setting. It's highly charged. The players don't know one another. The kidnappers don't know you personally. They just know you're the person from the FBI. 
and you're either the way for them to get what they want or you're the roadblock that's in the way. So in those situations, did you, Chip, have some sort of mental checklist that you went through to assess the situation? And what did you actually do first, second, so on, kind of a decision tree at the time? Right. A great way to set that up. And I think that that's going to be helpful to illustrate the process. From the outset, there is a very intense training that you go through as a crisis and hostage negotiator with the FBI. And it requires that you you go through a 40-hour course first. And then if you are considered to be what they're looking for to be an actual negotiator, then you go through the 80-hour course at Quantico. So the 40-hour course is, is a feeder for the 80-hour course, and it's all on a trial basis, just like anything else. You know, it is a, it's a collateral duty, and it's something that, though it's you know, needed in the Bureau, it is not necessarily what you're getting paid to do. You're getting paid to work cases. You're getting paid to catch bad guys. And so you have to still show progress in your regular casework if you want to be eligible for the team. So all that to say that, yeah, there's there's a training, there's a method. You know, it's not that we just go in there and we we figure it out as we go along as you have picked up in your uh, to the point of your question. So the first thing that we would do, that I would do if going into a situation like this is I want to know as much about the kidnapper as possible, right? I want to know where they are, what their living condition is like, how old they are, obviously gender. Do they have any demands yet? How many people are being held? What's the ages of the people being held? Is it a person uh, that is close to them? Is this the kind of kidnapping where it is mostly about that other person and not so much about what they want in terms of demands? You have to figure out from the outset as early as you can these very basic things that you're facing. It's also important to know we go in with a team. Sure, there's the times when you're just you're out and about and you get a call and you've got to respond to that location. But when we roll out in general, we go with a team. The word goes out, the team gets together, you head out to the address. You know, usually there's a command structure set up, there's SWAT, there's uh, evidence recovery, there's all kinds of people out there. But it's your job to bring the team together and for the team to do their job. And so the person that is going through the, the checklist, the person that is the primary for the negotiation, you know, we would just call them the, the primary negotiator. Then the person sitting next to you is a coach. And the coach's job is to listen to the conversation that you're having with the kidnapper and to feed you information and questions and other things you might be missing when you're establishing a dialogue with the kidnapper. So in that room, in that if it's if it's a room or if it's the back of a van or even in you know in a car, there's silence because it's just you and the kidnapper. You're trying to establish that connection. You're trying to establish rapport. And incidentally, Jim, as you know through your you know your work experience, you have precious little time to establish that connection. There are some studies that say you have. 10 seconds or less to actually make a connection to a person, whether they're going to identify with your with who you are and what you stand for and respect your opinion and maybe work toward, you know, accepting your guidance. You have precious little time. So it is very important that from the outset, we establish that relationship. That's really interesting. I, I'm in setting that scene. And what strikes me as you describe it is there is one voice whoever is that that main negotiator, but there is a team there that is helping provide information, 
go down that checklist, do things very quickly. So there's consistency, but you're not relying on just one person's intuition or their visibility or their assumptions into the parameters of what's going on at the time. Exactly. And that's why it's set up that way in part to guard against you going down a bad path, to keep you on track and to help you if you get stuck. So you have the coach next to you and also you have in front of you, you've got hopefully an Intel person. The Intel person is what we call working the boards. So so as the conversation is unfolding, you have you have somebody that is writing down pertinent information in front of you on like a, you know huge poster boards perhaps or whatever you know back of a napkin whatever is available at the time and whatever we've been able to prepare for. So if you're talking and, and they're talking about that you know hey what happened today and as they start to talk about the event and what's been going on in their life, if you've been able successful to get to that point. You've got somebody writing down information like they have a brother that that lives in in Kansas that they like. So that's a good thing. They're going to mark that in green. They're going to say, you know, stay focused on on the brother when you get a chance. And we also want to know are there weapons present? So I'm going to I'm going to somehow guide the conversation in there to the point where I'm going to be asking, "Hey, is there anything dangerous that, around you that I need to know about?" So they're going to say whether it's a gun or knife or drugs, whatever is present, they're going to highlight that. That's going to be in red. So we all are aware the dangers that are present there. And so they're also going to be guiding us through information that is brought out of the conversation. So if I hit a hot button with that person and they and I start talking about maybe, hey, what would your, you know, what would your mom think about this? You know, if I'm getting down that line and all of a sudden they start to blow up. They get angry, upset, you know, don't you talk about my mother? I don't ever want to talk about her again. Well, <laughs> so that's a red flag to us. That's, a, that's, that's what we call, right, a clue. So we're going to mark that in red. Do not bring up mom ever because that's a hot button. That's something that's not going to, that's going to calm them. Obviously, that's going to agitate. So we're going to stay away from that. And then you've got somebody there that's an investigator. The investigator's job is to run out leads. They're going to break out of the room if something comes up. Hey, we need to find a former employer that they talked about that they'd like to talk to. And so you've got a team that's going to rush out there. You've also got an on-scene team leader. And they're to make sure that the group is working in cohesiveness, that there is a collaborative mindset, that everybody's functioning as they should. And then you've got an on-scene commander that is in charge of everybody on that set. That's the structure of it. That's how it's set up. So it's all set up to directly support the conversation that you're having with the kidnap. Interesting. We're, we're speaking with Chip Massey on the Manager Message podcast. And one thing, Chip, before we take this sort of structure and those learnings into a business environment, I noticed you were talking about the use of some pretty personal language when you were in those high stakes, high risk conversations. You were not using institutional language, if I interpreted that right. So for example, you would use you and I and me in that conversation, not like we, the FBI, right? So it sounded like you wanted to make that as much of a personal conversation, engage those hot buttons as you could. Is that intentional? Exactly, Jim. That's a great pickup. Uh, something I would have failed to have mentioned. You want to make it as intimate a setting as possible. You don't want them to think that the world is watching them. You want them to, to think that it's just you and them in a conversation that they're having. And you're trying to help. You're there as somebody that is 
interested in bringing them safely out of this. Now, to get there, it's going to take a while. You've got to go and make some high hurdles to get to that point. But absolutely, it is about that connection, that rapport, that deep connectedness that you would have, like, say, for a friend. And that's what we, I, I typically tell people when we were teaching this course to local law enforcement and, and, and other institutions, is that you have to think about that person like you were talking to a good friend. And to people I ask, well, I mean, isn't that like really stressful to be in that hot seat and to go through the, the thought of if I say something wrong, I, you know, a, a life could be lost or, you know, you could blow the whole thing and, and you know, Lord knows what would happen. You know, obviously the, the worst case is that, yeah, somebody dies, but you can't think about that. That's not your state of mind. Your state of mind has to be focused on helping that individual, which seems so odd and counterintuitive when you think about it, because they are the bad guy, right? They're the guy that is holding somebody against their will and threatening them to, to some degree. So it's actually the kidnappee's life that we're really concerned about, but we don't have a gateway to them. The person we have to work through is the kidnapper. So we have to, all of our focus has to be on them. They are the star of the show. You have to bring all that to bear and just think about it. All right, this is a bad guy I'm talking to. What I got to get over that in order to get to, this is somebody I, I want them to think of me as their friend that's really trying to help. So yet you're exactly right. It is that one-to-one -one connection. We're talking about these very high stakes, high risk conversations, and that's when the phone rings or something happens and you in that role have zero prior relationship with that person. And we're talking about the, the tools and the questions and the tactics that you use to establish rapport and learn all that you can very, very quickly. Chip, I think we'll, we'll pick up on that a little bit later because building rapport is one of the areas that you work on now in the, the business world. But let's take this example of a, a high stakes conversation, but into something that a lot of our listeners may have to, on occasion, unfortunately, deal with in their work. So say that a listener gets a call from one of their most important clients or customers, and She's really hot. She is just mad. She's upset about something. She she calls and says, yeah, your company has let her down, maybe missed a key milestone, or there was some miscommunication. And she, your important client, is threatening to take her business elsewhere. Now, this is very different than the FBI type example, because you clearly have some sort of existing relationship there. So how does the de-escalation strategy work in a time like that? So you're dealing with a relationship, you know the other person, or you should, and how do you, in the moment, lower the temperature so that you can actually deal with the issue at hand? That's a, a great question, Jim, and it, it does exactly tie into what the techniques of hostage negotiation is the same techniques that you would use in this situation. And, and yes, you... You know, in, in this example that, that you're giving, so you do have a, a prior relationship to this client, which is great. You know, you're already ahead of the game in some respects. Now, you might be behind the eight ball a little bit because, you know, whatever it was that the client is is now bringing up as a, as a pain point is something that they are directly attributing to you and that what you did. 
So one of the first things that I would advise anyone and have advised key executives that that suffer from from this kind of fear in engaging people, whether, you know, and they don't have to be the, the CEO leadership, they could be frontline sales, they could be customer service, they could be human resources, whoever it is that is dealing with an upset individual, first thing out of your mouth has to be, I'm sorry. And you've got to say it like you mean it, because you have to mean it. And if you don't mean it, you have to be so good at faking that funk (laughs) that they believe you, that they bite and they hear it as a legitimate apology. You know, I'm sure you have, if you've been around any time on this God's green earth, you have run into customer service that is going to put the blame on you. I don't know how they stay in business. I don't know what they're thinking and who takes them through uh, their training but it is dead wrong and it will lead to the death of that relationship quick and a bad taste in that customer's mouth who will then get on Yelp and whatever social media and just downgrade that business. The first thing has to be, I'm sorry. And you have to mean it. And then you have to follow up with, we want to make this right. We want to know what happened. So can you tell me, because you may not be aware you know, if you're aware, all the better. You can start where they are. And that's that's the big thing is to figure out where they are, just like you started with the kidnapper. Figure out what it is that they're really upset about. It may not be that, you know, you missed a service delivery schedule and as a result, they're letting their customers down. It may not be that. It might be that they felt disrespected by one of your employees. It maybe wasn't in the context of a business meeting or a a sales development meeting, whatever it was, but this could be carryover. And so what they really are postulating as being the problem could actually be a mask for something else. So you need to, to sort of ferret that out. You have to spend some time there and people will appreciate it if you are legitimately trying to get to the source of what is going on. And the main thing that I tell people over and over and over again is empathy. Empathy wins the day every time. And what I say is the definition of empathy is not that you are agreeing with them, but that you're trying to understand and you are properly identifying the problem as they state it. Not how you see it, not how your organization would say it is, and not certainly reading off a script that sounds like you're reading off a script, but truly understanding their position. And when people hear your words, when they hear you say it, it's like, you know, it sounds like one of my sales managers really disrespected you. And I need to apologize for them first and foremost, because your relationship with us and is is so important. And I and it just it just tears me up to think that you had to experience that. So, one, I just want you to know if that's going to be addressed and it's going to be addressed by COB today. The next thing they need to hear from you is what you're going to do about it. So yeah, you're going to say you're going to address it. And they also want to know how you're going to address it. And then it's going to be, when will I find out progress on this? So you're going to say it's going to be addressed today. And I'm going to call you at 5.05 today to tell you where we are on this problem. And I'm going to continue to apologize every time I speak to you because I want you to know you're important to us. And again, when you say it like you care with empathy and your delivery has to be on point, in other words, the the tone of your voice has to really 
feel that you they have to be able to feel it through the telephone or if you're you know if you're in front of them they have to see it on your face and in your body language so everything has to resonate with that when you spending time with them and you're taking your time to listen to them you're going to notice something you're going to notice that they are starting to ease down in terms of if they're at a 10 in anger you're going to start to feel that they're they're going to become more rational they're no longer screaming at you, perhaps, and they're no longer, you know, saying invectives against you and your and your ancestors. And now they're starting to say things like, well, I appreciate that. And maybe even a thank you because you're hearing them. Now, you know, you're getting somewhere. And now, you know, when they're at a more level, rational state, you're going to be able to insert actually things that they can hear. Because when we are in a crisis mode, when we are full force on everything starts to shut down for us in terms of our rational thought. It, we can't hear things like we normally would. We really can't. The way the body works is that the, the, all those chemicals that the brain releases as a result of, of being under stress and in crisis and fearing what is going on around us, that you know, it takes away from our, our higher reasoning abilities. And we're, it takes away from even our vision, even our sense of being aware of what is going on around us. So everything has to take into account of that. You have to stay focused. You know, one of the things that I, I, I like to bring up to people when they are talking about difficult interactions, I said, think about the last time you were in a fight with your significant other. And when you think about that time, I say, now, were you actually listening to their points or were you waiting to jump in and attack them on their, the, the holes in their argument? Right? You're waiting for that gotcha moment. And that's and they always shake their heads. Yeah, that's 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 what happens. All right. And it is when we become emotionally invested in something, everything is that is helpful in the modern world goes away. We call it the amygdala hijack. And there is nothing in the way the body responds to stress and fear that is helpful in today's business world or your personal relationships or anything in this age because it's fight or flight. Right. And it's, it, it's helpful if we're trying to run from a saber-toothed tiger, but it is not helpful if we're trying to come to a, a best collaborative outcome in a business or a personal situation. If I'm trying to repair a relationship from a customer, I better not be thinking about, well, you know, what you should have done was called us a week early so that we could have had this, you know, all worked out and so forth. That's the wrong response, but that's what we want to do. You know, our programming, our wiring is saying attack. No, what we've got to do is we got to keep in mind what our agenda is. What are we trying to do? So regardless of what they're hitting us with, regardless of the, the, of the slings and arrows that they're tossing at us, we have to take it, we have to listen, and we have to remember, I'm trying to improve this relationship. So I, I'm going to have to take a bad one here. I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to get beat up, but eventually they're going to appreciate the fact that I listen, and they will. And you'll be able to bring that relationship around. Absolutely. This is the first half of my conversation with Chip Massey. There was so much in our conversation that I'm going to carve this into two episodes. Uh, we began today, Chip was talking in detail about his work as a crisis and hostage negotiator for the FBI, including the mental checklist he would go through, how the teams would operate, how they would find clues and how to establish the right state of mind when 
frankly, the bad guys are not in their right state of mind. So you'll want to jump on to the next episode with Chip. We'll get more into high stakes business conversations and how in your business, your organization, you can deal with what professionals call the amygdala hijack. So we look forward to having you join us on the next episode. In the meantime, the coins of the realm in podcasting include subscribe, rate, and review. So if you're getting value from this, if you're finding our podcast interesting, I hope that you will subscribe, rate, and review. And do let me know what you think, including any recommendations you might have for topics and other expert guests for the program. You can find out more at the website, jimcarr.com, K-A-R-R-H. And you can email me directly at jim at jimcarr.com. In the meantime, thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcarr.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.